Hey, folks, if you have a band that you think is amazing, we at the Bad Christian Podcast want to hear about it. We've launched a new opportunity for bands to advertise their music on this podcast. So partner with us today at badchristian.com forward slash band promo, and maybe we can help get your music out to tens of thousands of our listeners weekly. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Merry Christmas, all you Scrooges. And by Scrooges, I mean you you Scrooges who say bah humbug to Christians like us having a good time, talking, hanging out, being, uh, being ourselves. So knock it off with that bah humbug approach. Don't bring that up in here, please. Some of y'all are just downright Grinches as well. Lighten up. Okay, on to more pleasant things. I'll tell you what's pleasant is the response we've gotten to our free music compilation, The Lineup. And if you haven't gotten that yet, go get it. We've given away thousands of them for free. That's our Christmas present to you. You can go get it right now. You go to badchristian.com forward slash the lineup. You can get a new a mix of a new Emory song as well as King's Kaleidoscope, uh, The Classic Crime, and a ton of other bands. There's an abandoned Kansas demo on there. There's great stuff on there. There's a ton of unsigned bands that are independent. There's bands on other labels like 68. Uh, there's a band called We Are The City. It's great stuff. It's premium, awesome, and a lot of it's new music that you've never heard before. So go get it. It's free. It's on us. No guilt trip whatsoever. However, if you do feel inclined, if you feel like giving, if you feel like supporting what we do, we ask you to give us a nine cents or nine dollars or you know nine grand, whatever whatever you think it's worth. If you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy the free content that we give away, we ask you to join the BC Club. And that is to sign up monthly as a general subscri- voluntary general subscription to support this podcast and Bad Christian as a whole. And mostly I want to say thank you because so many people have done it. Uh, by my calculations, there's only one or two podcast listeners that haven't done it so far. So if I'm talking to you, you might want to kick on over there and join the BC Club with the rest of us. And if you don't want to, no problem. I love you anyway. Do you hear that? I love you. Talk about a show we went No, I'm to. talking about the beatbox. Oh, I always think of that just two seconds beforehand. <laughs> That's <laughs> obvious. All right, you ready, Matt? Yeah, I'm rolling. All right, I got it. All right. You want me to do it? I got it. I got one. I got one. I'm ready. I'm I'm good. You've got Logan and Toby and Jessica and Devin, Bridget and Priscilla and Matt and Kevin. But do you know the most greatest one of all? It's Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord. Don't forget about Jesus. Guess what I can't forget about? Jesus. His name is JC. He came to the earth to save me. Holla at your boy. Welcome to the Salvation Station. (laughs) Happy holiday season to you guys. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. This is Matt, Toby. Joey. And Joey, back in the house as usual. How, how are you guys doing today? Good? I'm doing good. Yeah, Toby has the juice, or he had it earlier, so it can run out. How can you tell he had the juice? 
Oh, I mean, he comes into my office to talk about something very serious, and we had to get through about two or three minutes of very vulgar, <laughs> immature sexual jokes. That's Matt, what, you know, there's times, okay, so I'm bad at meetings. I'm not good at meetings. <laughs> I'm not good at working hard. I'm not good at meetings. I'm not good at paying attention. But uh, so we just got out of our staff meeting, and they usually last a long time. People have a lot of ideas, and they're good, but I just I try to listen, and I start zoning out. So this usually happens. I'll go into Joey's office and close the door, and we'll end up talking about something serious. But I say unbelievable profanity, make fart jokes, talk about really bad stuff. For just to get it out least, of your system? Yes. You know that thing of me. It's like there's something I have yeah. to say bad stuff so I can be, get back to normal. No, that's actually a real thing. I read about it online. I meant to tell you about that. I'm glad you brought it up. So essentially there's a theory that says that whenever uh, inappropriate emotions happen at certain things, like let's say you're so happy you cry. So that doesn't make sense because mm-hmm. um, crying is associated typically with negativity and stuff like that. But you, your body is like this machine, and it gets so crazy with emotional stuff. Like happiness is so strong. You know how it re- like release endorphins and do all this stuff to your body. Well, your body goes, uh-oh, this is crazy. We're out of control here, essentially. So, yeah. when, so you do the opposite thing. Your body kicks in the opposite thing, the sad thing, to try to help regulate you back down to equilibrium. Because your body's huh. like, whoa, this is getting crazy. So that's why, for instance, you might cry when you're super happy. So when, when something really good happens to Toby, that's why he goes straight to unbelievable profanity, just to e- reach equilibrium again, just to bring it back down. That, was that your science segment? That was not a science segment, just off the top of my head, so you're welcome. Wow. Toby does that all the time. Anytime something super good or important happens or like he does something that's really noble, and then five minutes later, as soon as he, you get alone with him, he'll start saying super dirty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So, see, I have a condition. It's, a, it's your condition. You I mean, I have it. a condition. What am I supposed to do about it? I mean, yeah. I, it's not my it's not my identity. Right? No, it's not. But, but it's look, a condition that I have that mentally affects me. Yeah, but nobody my, can feel sorry for you about nobody that. Nobody feels sorry for me for <laughs> something good happening or bad. Ha- I mean, it's really funny. Like, we've gotten seriously bad news before, and I just had, like, the juice uh, an evil joy that springs forth <laughs> from me where I'm just saying the That's worst true. possible thing in the world. Like, and everybody's really laughing bad news, and they just yeah. can't believe it and they're just like, man, Toby's going off right now. But I No, just, that's true. It's I the other one is like whenever we're on tour and Toby's wife is there like for a couple of days and it's like real chill family Toby. He doesn't think stuff's funny. He's real serious. just taking care of his <laughs> wife stuff. And then as soon as she leaves, he's like, he walks back on the bus and he's like depressed. Like it's kind of sad or something. And then it takes about 80 seconds and then he goes on fire. <laughs> so it almost looks like he's glad that his wife's gone, but it's because he's so depressed that she's gone and thinking about all that. He All he can do to counteract it is do something evil and loud and obnoxious. <laughs> I have to do something evil to get back to equilibrium. Yeah. Or else I'm, one, I'm on the wrong side. I don't know what it is. It's terrible. I know it's terrible. You know what it is? It's, it's basically like, you know, when somebody's sad and they, they just go to ice cream or, you know, whatever it might be, or cigarettes or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. I think that's just mine, saying filthy, disgusting, nasty things <laughs> to my friends. <laughs> All right, so I got a couple of things I want to talk about. I, last night, what, what I did was something really, really awesome. I went to, to the uh, concert like a civilian, so I have some observations <laughs> from that. Uh, Bridget and I went and saw Reggie in the full effect. and oh, nice. sa- Oh, wow. And Saves and- the Day and Say Anything, and they all played full albums front to back 10 years. Oh, that's so Dang. cool. That's awesome. Those bands are incredible. Reggie's my favorite. It's actually really one of my favorite bands, and definitely, especially after seeing him last night, one of the greatest performers in the world. I think he belongs in the highest echelon of comfortable on stage 
performers. I think you know. I think he's great. Uh, anyway, so here's my big observation: is man, I feel so bad now for our fans because of what an ordeal it is, and how much it winds up costing, and all the stuff that they do and put in to go to our shows. The predominant way that we earn money as Emory is people coming to our shows, and so I'm always aware when we're pricing the ticket price. You know, hopefully we can make it as cheap as possible, but hopefully we can make a guarantee and. That kind of thing. But l- let me tell you how this worked out. I hadn't I never saw this coming. So first of all, the tickets. The tickets are, let's see, well, you, can you guys add this up as I say it? Yeah. All right, so the tickets were about 30, 20-something or 30 each after fee. So count 60 for the tickets. So then we got a babysitter last night. The Normally I'd like to pay her 30 but she does a lot for us, so I paid her $40. Wow. Okay, so yeah. it looks like we're at $100. Just, and I didn't really put this together until we were on our way home. So that, so then we go, we go down there. We took a car to go in case we were drinking. We didn't want to drive or anything like that. So we took a car to go and an Uber home, basically, because it was only a couple miles. But that's not that expensive, so you could maybe say that's $15 total. So keep adding. And so we yeah. got down there, and we got some food and drinks at the show box there. So our total tab for food and drinks was 50 at the place. So that sounds high, but you know, two or three beers for me and two for Bridget. And that's what that was plus some food. Then we stopped by the merch table and got a normal amount of merch. I found an awesome hoodie that I, that will probably be my new favorite hoodie. It says Reggie on it. It looks like the Powell Peralta Bones Brigade logo. It's awesome. And uh, Bridget wanted a vinyl and she got a t-shirt. So that's 80 on merch. Oh, Let's see, and that's that's, that's two forty five. Oh, well, there you go. Spent two hundred forty five dollars to go to a concert yesterday as a date. Gee. Can you believe that? That's that's, that's a lot. Like man. that, that would never cross your mind that it would be that expensive. Because I mean, uh, and you know what? I saw Josh Head there. <laughs> so I saw Josh Head there. Now, guess how much? I'm, I guarantee you, Josh Head spent a total of fourteen dollars because he got him free because he knew somebody that worked at the right. show box. He's right. a single guy. He paid, he paid nothing. He probably bought one or two drinks when he was there. So he probably spent $14, $15 on that. He, and that's it. I mean, you know what I mean? He didn't buy a T-shirt. He didn't bring anybody. He didn't have to get a babysitter. He that's it. That's why I always tell people when you get married, it's not like you put your money together and then your expenses double. Your expenses, and this is a good example of it, can go triple, quadruple because now you have all these other things involved. So. It's a, it's a, it makes me really appreciative for our fans. So anybody that's coming out to our shows and even traveling longer distances, and especially when people buy VIP packages, I didn't know how rich everybody was. That's amazing that people do that and go to shows and spend hundreds of dollars. It's crazy because it all, you know, I think married couples also, they go through different stages where you just don't even have that option. I mean, someone says, hey, you want to go to a show? And you can kind of do the math in your head and just like, yeah, can't can't do that well like, i've never paid for concerts before like every concert i've ever been to i've been playing at or whatever and usually if a band's in town i make a fo- couple couple of phone calls and go for free you know yeah so are you or bridget like fiscally pretty conservative i mean you're, you're pretty uh you're pretty tight on money wouldn't you say that you're kind of cheap well uh, you said that about w- yourself we do really well with uh living below our means but we're not responsible with our spending i would say so gotcha. we buy whatever we want to but we have no debt and earn more than we spend by long shot no car payment no debt whatsoever so i don't ever care so we don't have enough motivation like people do when they're trying to get out of debt or whatever but no i don't think we're that responsible but in general i'm pretty tight and you know i don't know 
Well, the thing is, you ha- you can't just add it up like that. That's the way. That's when you go, oh crap. Because I mean, the truth is, you get sitters, so that's just a normal cost. You know what I mean? That that, that I mean, you have to go on date nights and stuff with your wife. I, I mean, if you're not doing those things, it's detrimental to your marriage. So I I look at it more when we spend more money like that. I try to look at it. Well, well, you know, we had to get a sitter either way, no matter what. And then so I I try to break it down as a one time thing. So the big the big expenses were the was the merch and the ticket. You would easily go get those drinks and That's true. some food somewhere, and the and the other stuff. So a normal that normally would have been a date night of you know seventy bucks to a hundred bucks, which is honestly you're right with with. I mean, we do a lot of times we end up doing forty dollars. We have three kids, and Jess always feels bad. I mean, I don't know what to pay sitter. Some I, I always want to pay thirty dollars. Yeah, I and, normally and, pay thirty. And but we have three kids. Thirty dollars, sir. You don't do it sitter, hourly. A sitter, yeah. I, I, no, because those like, kids asleep. I want to do ten dollars an hour. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we stay out three hours, so we usually are gone by seven, come back by. But see, that's what I'm saying. A lot of times we leave at six and are back by nine, no matter what. So that's three hours. Yeah, and I think ten dollars an hour. But that's that's not a great rate, but that's that's what we do. And I, I mean, Matt, I agree with you. It's just like, well, you watched our kids for an hour, and then you watch TV for two hours. So So here's my biggest takeaways from the from the thing is, um, you know, this is how to. What I want to do better in the next time to to save the money. Number one, don't get married again. Of course, and you're not you, gonna get married again. No, just next huh. time I just won't do that. That's my plan yeah. for the future. Number two, if you do get married, just don't have any kids. That's all. That's the only <laughs> well, thing. Well, you can already think. messed up twice, big time. Yeah, I'm just but, saying in the future. The next marriage, you won't. In the future, I'm saying. See, and to, that's my advice to everybody I else just out don't there. Don't understand this, guys. I just don't get okay, it. I, I'm not totally with Matt, but Matt's either going to obviously get divorced, which we all okay. Bet on, we bet okay, on, I understand that. Citing, we bet on before he got married. Citing financial problems, yeah, and or Matt's talking about reincarnation. Which yeah, I reincarnation. Believe, I think that's what I meant. Okay, yeah, of course I understand that. Of now. course that I would never mess with the sanctity of marriage, but I'm just talking about in my reincarnated second life is what I mean. Right. You know, I, Matt b- blasted me while we were on tour. I can see why people believe in reincarnation. It's not that far off. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I, y'all both Joey's staring at me laughing. <laughs> I think it's the most ridiculous notion possible. It, it's not. You guys are saying that you're going to die. Yeah. And you are going to get a new body, a reincarnated Joey and Matt in heaven or the new earth. You're going to come back and live in the new earth as yourself. So the only thing you guys are having problems with... I mean, it's not that far off or crazy to think, well, you just got recycled. I mean, if there is no God, then you are literally getting recycled into something else. The universe will churn, churn you up and turn you into dust or whatever it might be. Or, or I'll agree what? with you on that, but here's what's the most illogical notion possible about reincarnation is that you don't remember your previous life, therefore it really doesn't have any bearing on your next life. So you wouldn't. It's actually a non-thing to say, well, my next life, I don't want to come back as a worm or a lower person because... You don't know what you were in your previous life, and if you did, if you were in your last life were a worm, well, it doesn't bother you that you know you're not glad in relation because you have no <laughs> memory of it, so it doesn't matter. So you're not saying I wish I wasn't a worm. <laughs> no, you're not saying well, crap. In my neck, like like it carries this notion with it that in your next life you'll be aware of your previous life and why you got to where you are. I, I'm, I'm I'm honestly just playing devil's advocate here, but I'm just saying I don't think it's that crazy. The idea of being reborn or remade. I think kind of is across the board with most religions. I think. I mean, it's, it, yeah, you don't end. 
you don't answer. I can go that far. And then, yeah, I agree with you. It does get kind of crazy. And it's always funny when people are reincarnated and they're always like some prince or princess. Yeah. Uh, that, well, you know, or somebody amazing that you know. Yeah, exactly. They're not just Steve the Trash Man. Well, we've got, we've got Gandhi's grandson with us to talk about this. Uh, his name is... <laughs> Joey, don't go there, dude. We're saving you from yourself. <laughs> I think Gandhi's a good guy. He's nice. Um, one thing that's kind of cool is, Matt, uh, I guess you saw this. You sent it to us, and a few few of our friends sent it to us, too. But we were mentioned in a Slate.com article. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, they, I think the words they use are like for an edgy right. kind of podcast. And, and, the, and the article was about is uh, or are Christian podcasts taking the place of going to church? Yeah. And the fear of that and stuff like that. And I just, I, I didn't, I mean, I kind of skimmed the article, so I don't want to do it injustice. But just from my point of view, um, I thought the idea of that is just, I don't think that's the case. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think people go to church, even if they don't like it, for some form of community, for yeah. some sort of get together, right? Yeah. But then, you know, any, anyone that's in a large church, that says, oh, that's ridiculous, you can't do that. They probably go to a church that has an internet campus that you can't necessarily say it's better to listen to a teacher on a podcast than it is to listen to three guys talking about stuff. Well, that's interesting. You can't really have your cake and eat it too by saying, oh, well, no. I mean, you can can listen to a, a preacher on a podcast, but not three guys talking. But, I mean, I think the three of us would all agree that none of that should be a substitute for real friendships and, you know, Real, right? Real. I think it's. I think again, I'm going to push into the direction of moving forward and the internet and the great things about it. But I think no matter what, it's awesome because the more stuff that does the more stuff, the better. So you know what that what the fear is there is that it'll disconnect the teaching from the proprietary system of the church, and somebody will be being fed by Matt Chandler and getting some insight from Toby, and then that they won't be able to control that at their local church. Right. That's not bad. That's good. So if that means that the church as an institution has less stronghold, I guess I'm all for it. What if, what if community is more compartmentalized? And, like, this is an interesting notion um, is, like, when we left Mars Hill, we were, at, we were in a community group, and that was a really big deal. So not meeting with them anymore because we left the church. So that was a really big deal because they continued to meet, and as a lot of our good friends, we stayed friends with them, but we didn't go to the community group anymore. Well, now that Mars Hill is dissipated, lots of community groups have ended as well. And... If you think about that, well, that's really crazy. Like, why yeah. why would a community or a community group necessarily even be attached to or exclusive to, I should say, the church and, and its thing that does the preaching and the music on Sunday? I don't know about that. Like, that actually sounds not right to me that, that like, if somebody was in community, the definition of that is not a church function. If the community group ends when the church ends, that means that the community wasn't actually real community. Yeah. yeah. It, it kind of betrays the meaning of the term. It was, was just a it, program of the church. Was it an expectation for you to not be a part of that group anymore? Oh, no, not not really at all. Like, we stopped going there as the church function, honestly, but we still are really close with and I would say, in community with all those people. In fact, I went to Mars Hill yesterday on uh, Sunday, worship service for one of their baby dedications. So all's good in the neighborhood. But I really think, from my point of view, 
to if I had it to do over, and what I really am more interested in doing is trying to get people to meet together and do the same kinds of things where you talk about God or pray or do Bible study, but to have that not necessarily be a proprietary function coming down from a large church organization. Maybe it's better to do it more separate, I guess. Now, it sounds like your community did work in a sense of you guys were able to uh, still remain friends, which yes. is the community thing. Sure. So that means outside of the Tuesday night thing, you guys actually remain yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In, in, in relationship with each other. So that actually is good. That means that that did work. But yeah, I would say majority, if you leave the church and you go, well, I can't hang out with them anymore and I need to support my church, so I got to go to a, a church-sponsored uh, or a church-endorsed yeah. group, right. whereas that didn't used to happen, and that's what that's what's crazy. And to go back to your original point, I think that seems more right. I mean, if we go back to, uh, you know, Adam and Eve, or Noah, and all, and you know, back in the day, I mean, they probably had you know they had all these different tribes and small tribes of people just trying to survive and live, and they probably you know if this if this tribe lived here and another tribe lived fifty miles down the road and another tribe lived fifty miles down the road, I mean, I bet they all had a lot of different beliefs, and it was just, I mean. God revealed himself. So why are we so worried? That's the thing I don't like about when you talk about the proprietary uh, centralized of proprietary. Yeah. It's, it's like, if you don't listen to us it, and I know they would say, no, that's not true. We want you to, you know, uh, listen to tons of people and read tons of books and this and that. But it really, there's an underlying, Hey, if you don't, if we don't say this stuff and you don't listen to what our church is saying, then you might get it wrong. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. But anyway, that's something I've been thinking about a good bit, a good bit lately. Hey, I've got a, uh, I wrote a poem for you guys. Do y'all okay. want to hear that or yeah. y'all want to hear it after like the interview? The, I'd like to hear the poem. Um, it's kind of a present for y'all. And okay. it's, it's, Matt, is this okay? Yeah, I love poetry. I mean, I'm okay. huge on it. It's it, called A Download from Bad Christian. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Twas the night before Monday when all through BC, Matt was editing vigorously as Joey ate with glee. The asshole in place <laughs> on Yahoo with his beard in hopes that his news is respected and feared. The listeners were posting... (laughs) The listeners were posting, Say Jesus, from their beds, while they wondered if Joey is still on his meds. With Logan lost in atheism, and we shouldn't tip our hats, or he'll zap our brains, sending us to hell with no coming back. When right on the mic there arose such a clatter, Joey sprang from his lounging to eat and get fatter. Away to the door, Toby opened for Neil. He said, open the door, damn, what's the deal? These pizzas are heavy, I can't carry anymore. I'm serious, what the fuck? Open the damn door. When trying to decipher through Toby's crazy tirade against men, oh, no big deal, just talking shit about Derek Webb again, with an epic interview so lively and long, Joey, no dumb questions like, what's your favorite song? Then our time with Toby and his stupid-ass news with all his dumb subjects that deserve only booze. Now boobs, now penises, now burglars and affairs, on divorce, on barbecue, on beer and mutilation of bears. To the top of his voice, he smiles with pride. Matt's fake affirmation, and Joey just wants to cry. All three of the guys scramble for a joke to end. Toby, thinking of a fat joke, damn, Joey just can't win. Some listeners are happy, but some want to curse. They wanted us to be harsher and bust them with a verse. But you, listener, in a twinkling, forgot about your crotch. You're about to look at porn. Better get some X3 watch. As Matt, (laughs) Toby, and Joey get ready for another show, 
We think it's cool that you guys think of us as bro. Thanks for downloading, subscribing, and listening to us talk. Now go to the BC store and buy for Christmas our stuff in bulk. Even if you don't, we think you're pretty tight. Happy Christmas to all. And to all a good night. Wow. Unbelievable. Man. Yeah. Wow, man. You got some applause? Yeah, that's what oh. I was going to say. Good Lord. Hell yeah. They call me Sherlock uh, Holmes. <laughs> my goodness. You, it turns out you have some talents and things to offer after all, my friend. That is amazing. Yeah. I love yeah. that you did that while you're supposed to be working for our church. Yeah. <laughs> why, you, why do you think I did that on church time? I'm just joking. That's a joke. That was really good. He did it during post. he wow. did it during the video sermon last week. Yeah. Right. Man, I just can't believe that you wrote that. That was really good. I, was I posted that uh last Wednesday. So it's out on the blog if anyone wants to print nice. it and frame it. You know, because that is to all of our it was to you guys and to all of our listeners. That was really so good. It was wonderful. Merry Christmas, everybody. I really enjoyed that. You did? Yeah, I'm being What serious. was your favorite part? I really thought it was funny all the things that that you rhymed. <laughs> yeah, rhyming's like cool. Your rhyming's like so good. Uh, well, I mean, it's fresh on my mind. I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I guess I like the whole thing. I thought it was just Thanks, it, it was well written. I, what I liked about it was the rhyme of crotch and X3 watch. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so speaking of X3 watch, what Joey referenced right there in his beautiful poem that I loved is X3 Watch Software. X3 Watch is a sponsor and brings to you the Bad Christian Podcast. It's because of them that we have this show. X3 Watch is software that Matt, Toby, and Joey use on our computers to monitor our internet browsing habits and share what we're looking at with each other as accountability because we attempt to and try not to look at porn. So whenever we get a tingle in our crotch, it gets kicked in with the X3 Watch. So uh, we highly recommend everybody get X3 Watch for their computers, mobile devices, and tablets. It's very inexpensive, and there's also a free version. And although it is inexpensive, you can get half off if you tell them Matt and Joey and Toby sent you. And you do that by going to x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian. So x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian. And uh, get that right now. Thank you to everybody who's done it so far. Tons and tons of people email us, and they said it's been very successful. They've been a very successful sponsor. Thank you for supporting them and this show, x3watch.com. You know what's funny is I was looking for a news segment, and uh, this came up that said uh, the future is close that you'll get hand jobs from robots. <laughs> Are you serious? That was, the, that was the article. I was like, ooh, I'm going to get this for my news. It's right up my alley. And I knew that X3 Watch would like block it. And not I was let like, you yeah. examine Yeah, I was it. like, I, I'm just not going to go there. I just yeah. don't, I, I, And it, it, I was like, I don't need to even know that. I, I mean, who cares? Yeah. And so it kept me from actually, even before, I mean, I saw something and I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to. I figured it would block it anyway. And I was like, it's not worth the hassle of trying to figure out something that I actually just don't even care about anyway, or I don't need to care about right. or give it any relevance, even though I did here on the podcast now talking about it, but uh, I just thought that you was just cool. aroused. A I, bunch used, of people. I used X3 watch with just mentally. I thought that was kind of cool. You know right. what I mean? Like I was like, ah, screw it. I'm not going there. So I think that's kind of a cool, cool thing that it has already affected me like in my brain more yeah. than even all that. So Matt, uh, we sent out family Christmas cards and we sent one to Logan and, uh, I got yours by the he, way. It's real nice. Oh, thank you. Logan said the same thing. He said that our kids are cute as fuck. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then he, he, uh, he said also, hey, man, listen. He said, you forgot to, bu to bust Matt's balls on a certain thing that we found out about you, and I haven't talked to you about it oh, on the podcast. Crap. You tried to hide it from us, 
But we found out through Logan, I think. Oh yeah. That Bridget went on vacation by herself while you were on tour. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Your what wife went on vacation by herself. Well, I was what on is tour. the deal with that, Matt? Well, I mean, it's not that. I mean, crazy. she went on vacation by herself. Y'all do that? We take separate vacations. And you tried to hide it because you were ashamed. <laughs> you knew you had shame. This wife flew. To New Orleans on vacation <laughs> while he was out on tour All right, but without him. They, I mean, they, they have. True. They, I mean, they have money. They have uh, some. I mean, she needs. Vac- I mean, they. Just, yeah, you go on vacation by yourself, babe. Just take That's that vacation well, for yourself. Well, and you and why? Well, explain why did you try to hide it from us? So this is what happened, which is really it worked out good for me. The way I, I figure it because I don't like vacations. I can't stand them. To tell you the truth, because I travel for a living and get to do everything fun in the world. And I get paid to do it. So I've been to New Orleans a million times. I was in New Orleans the, the week. vacation has worked to you. It, well, it's painful because it's expensive. And, <laughs> and you have to, like, make sure you have a good time. But it w- winds up feeling like I have to manage my family and make sure this happens. I, I don't like it. I mean, I, I'd rather – I was in New Orleans the week before making money. And I still got to go walk around Bourbon Street. I did everything. And I got to yeah. get paid to do it. So, no, I don't think – I don't really want to take my whole family, fly somewhere, pay for it, and pay for every single thing we do. I do not really like it. So we had this opportunity to go to New Orleans with a group trip with a bunch of people. So it was like a bunch of people splitting a house and everything like that. And I was like, not interested. But I was like, yep, we'll do it. We'll just do it. Let's just go ahead and do it. And then um, our tour got planned. So instead of canceling um, our vacation, I felt like I was a score for me and for her because I was like, you know what, though? You just go. You just do it. That way, it, that way, she got to go on the vacation and really enjoy it, and it only cost me half price. So that's, that's why it happened. So you were super encouraging to your wife. Yeah, you so should you go. Totally go. to go on vacation with her. Right, because it, it was cost me half price, and I got to go to New Orleans the week before anyway. What do I care? So I wanted to have, go have a good time, but I knew that sounded funny. So, yes, I, I, thought, I thought it would be funny. If y'all never even knew that that, that had happened. So I didn't want to have to explain well, it to you and well, Dave, and now I have to explain it to everybody. Well, what's, in retrospect, what's really funny now is I realized back to a conversation I heard that I thought was peculiar. You said <laughs> you, you were talking to Bridget about uh, a flight she was going to take. I, I was like, I think I was listening to you. You were driving. I was sitting beside you, and you were talking about a flight, and then you said something about, don't worry, babe, you'll be able to go to the bathroom on the flight. <laughs> 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 don't worry. It's not a big deal. Just just have fun. And I was like, I wonder what man's talking about. I was like, what? Is she traveling somewhere? That's weird. And then you never mentioned it. And then Logan totally busted you. <laughs> well, y'all go on separate well, You're not even busting me on the funniest part of all, and that is she didn't take Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> So there was Man, there, guys, there was a weekend last last month where Georgia was in Seattle and Bridget was in New Orleans and I was in California. So <laughs> we used to get into like it was really funny because Devin used to get really upset because I promise a tour would show up like uh, after him and Megan got married a tour would happen. You know, a lot of times we didn't know about a tour. Uh, till a little bit later, like you know, they oh, always man, sneak be, up on you, especially yeah, yeah, we got a great, plans. Yeah, yeah, we got a great tour coming. Uh, oh man, this tour is going to happen in two weeks, but it's so good for our band. I mean, two months or you know, man, if we can go on this tour next month, it could be really great for our band. And we'd always, uh, you know, we get all on the phone together and be like, or in the email and say, hey, hey, uh, look, we got this great tour. This band, this band, they want to take us out. They're going to pay us really well. And Devin would always, it would be like a, few, a little bit of silence. He'd go. Sure if I can man, do that one. I don't know if we can do that. I got a vacation <laughs> plan. <laughs> and then we still 
<laughs> we we make fun of him about it, and then I mean, but like yeah, he so all, many vacations. De- Devin gets his vacation on. Devin vacations. He always is maxed out of his vacation days. And by the way, I love. <laughs> I love De- Devin was going down to do the record with Sprinkle to do his vocal parts, like we were talking about before, and he was totally out of vacation day. He couldn't get one vacation day to even work on our record, so he had to jam it all in in a weekend where he drove down and drove back late and back to church the next day. And by the that way, so I love making fun of Devin on this podcast. It's great. <laughs> It's one of my favorite things. Well, he'll, he te- he'll get to come on soon. Yeah, he'll come on so. soon. But he te- he texts me. All, he texts me about the uh, what, him talking about his last week. And whenever we mention him, I mean, you know, he listens. So he's gonna, he's going to listen to this. I, I love making fun of people I know on the podcast when they're going to hear it. So screw you, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> no, what was really funny, and I, I hope this doesn't make Sprinkle mad, but Devin wrote this because we made fun about Devin. Uh, you know, like my voice being all gravelly, and Devin's just being the voice of an angel because he did and all he his said, takes the same. We were saying, yeah. And Devin wrote, he said, "I heard what, and you got to know Sprinkle, Aaron Sprinkle, <laughs> to do this. I mean, Aaron Sprinkle is awesome. Let's like, make fun of him now. Incur- he's the mo- well. I, I, I guess. Oh, yeah. I, well, Aaron's not only one of the most funniest people I've ever met." But he's super encouraging and wants to, you know, get the best out of you know, and just really encourage. But Denver, I heard what Sprinkle said about my vocals. <laughs> said, the funny thing was, there were several times when I asked him, "Should I do this part differently or push a little harder?" And he would say, "Nah, I think we're good." <laughs> <laughs> and I could totally hear Sprinkle. Nah, man, because you know, Devin just sings so perfectly. Like, yeah, nah, no, that's it's good. good. No big deal. That's no, okay. So and Sprinkle was probably playing Minesweeper on his desktop when he said, "Punch." <laughs> no, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so matt and now you you've moved into devon world where like i mean vacation y'all y'all can even vacation without each other oh so, uh, I mean, you've got just, to that's... enter the land of separate vacations my friend it's living the dream let me tell you all right so let's move on to our guest today we'll have we'll, we'll take a quick break if that sounds good with y'all and we'll come back with jeremy spring he's been the bass player on the last couple of emory tours and he is the mastermind the man with the plan behind the band abandoned Kansas. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. One of my favorite parts about what we do and get to do being in a band and working with music is all the different bands we get to see, all the different music we get to hear. And some of it's good, some of it's bad, some of it's even kind of ugly, still fun to encounter. But there's nothing more inspiring to us than seeing a young band with talent that is working hard, writing great music, and doing everything they can do to hustle. Uh, just so you know, I'm picturing like a, a young Emory circa 2001 busting our asses. So if you think you're a band like that, we want to give you a chance to be heard by thousands of listeners. Starting today, we are opening up some of our advertising space on the podcast to bands to get their music out to our listeners. Go to www.badchristian.com forward slash band promo. Fill out the form there, submit your song, and somebody on our team will get with you and work with you directly to see about getting your band's music on this podcast out to tens of thousands of our listeners weekly. And if they'd have had this back when we were a young band, we'd have been all over it. But they didn't have it. So here we are. We've invented it. So take advantage of it. Badchristian.com forward slash band promo. And really quickly, I want to remind you folks about Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash bcpod and get a free audiobook of your choice. 
They're the world's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. And just because Matt and Toby and Joey sent you, you can go get a free audiobook. And they have classics, they have fiction, nonfiction. They've got all the good Christian books. I recommend to y'all a Tim Keller book. Go pick out any book by Tim Keller, and that'd be great. And if that's not your thing, they probably got, you know, Eastern meditation and stuff or uh, atheism books. They've got it all. Anyway, audiblepodcast.com forward slash bcpod for your free audiobook. All right, Jeremy, I'm going to talk here just for a second and make sure everybody knows who you are and what's going on. So let's get the plug stuff out of the way. Uh, Jeremy is the singer of Abandoned Kansas, and that's Abandon, as in leave behind, Abandoned Kansas, in case y'all have missed that, uh, as we've been talking about them. But they have a crowdfunding campaign that's live right now. If you go to badchristian.com, there's, there's all kind of links there on our music page to it, or just the banner at the top of our page. You can go to Indiegogo and search Abandoned Kansas in the Indiegogo search, and you will find their campaign where they have a couple of weeks left. Great packages there. They're doing some live shows, living room tour, that where you can get the record a month early. Go there and check it out. But uh, So, yeah, let's just get into it talking to you, Jeremy, and talk about your record and what you're up to. Jeremy, do you get that a lot, people confusing your band name, Abandon Kansas, Abandon Kansas? Honestly, every single day. <laughs> and people, people share their revelation with us like it's news. So you just got to go with it like they're brilliant. <laughs> so was, that any, was there any intent there? To be like a double entendre, is that what that's called? My roommate in college, his name's Justin, he's actually a big fan of Bad Christian, has been listening from the beginning, and he named this this band back in college as a joke, and it stuck. <laughs> so you meant it that way, but do you regret it now is a better question, I guess. For sure. You totally regret it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, we couldn't think of anything that beat it, and then it was such a... We just felt like we had enough going. You didn't have one other name? Uh, I think somebody suggested rug burn, as if you were like praying so much you had a rug burn. Uh, That didn't beat it. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you, it's more important now than ever for your name to be something clear. And I think this goes for naming children. So if you have children, remember that you failed when you named your band and try to be more clear. (laughs) So I think when you're naming anything this day and age, the most likely way people are going to encounter it is reading it on an internet screen. So that would be like, let's say, a job resume or at a school or if it's your band name or your website. So it's very important to pick more than ever a plain name that when you look at it, you know exactly what it is. And there's no ambiguity because, you know, you can read something on the internet for weeks and be way into it and still not know how to pronounce it because you're by yourself on a computer screen. So although yours is easy to read, it's still ambiguous verbally. Anyway, make your names plain and obvious to everyone, people. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I get so frustrated sometimes when I see names and they're just spelled different just to spell them different? Like, what is the point? They sound the same, so it's just so lame. So basically, yeah, man, your band does have the worst name ever. Yeah, way to go. Right. <laughs> We've been on the marquee as just Kansas before, though, so the fact that people thought we were Kansas and they were only paying us $250 to play That's is incredible. Cool. All right, so what have you been up to since we saw you last year? We got done with tour a few weeks ago, and then what? You went straight to the studio? I went straight to Thanksgiving dinner. And just had it here with my wife. And then the very next day, 
on Monday we pushed to record, and the first new song is actually the working title is called Cyber Monday because we wrote it on Cyber Monday. And uh, nice. I've been in the studio every day, like like early in the morning as I can get up until like 8 or 9 at night, just all day with a new guy that I've never worked with before. His name's Jay Hall. So I've just been sitting in the studio, small control room with one other guy, kind of writing this whole new album by myself. So I'm definitely losing my mind. Yeah, what what what's that like? Because, I mean, you, you have, did you do all the albums that way? No. I've always had a band. It's not all it's been my turn the whole time. So here I am like coming up with the idea and tracking the idea. It's all in the same headspace. So it's super messed up, really. It, it's a stressful month. It's December and we just moved here and we're newlyweds and there's just a lot of different pressure, different voices, different pushing and pulling going on with our trips home for the holidays and the crowd fund is going on and then I'm trying to make new ideas and record them. It's just uh it's super angsty and frustrating anyway, so it's really coming out in the character on the record. Well, so it, so to be clear, you got married when? This year in June to a lovely young lady named Kayla, and she spells her name weird, so... <laughs> okay, so let me get this straight. You've been, jerk. Uh, let's say, absent quite a bit since you got married then. You did a whole five-week abandoned <laughs> Kansas tour, then an Emory tour, and now you're in the studio 12 hours a day at Christmas. Is that correct? I'm the worst husband. I don't have a Christmas present yet either. I need help, guys. Yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> Is she pissed off that you're gone all the time? She understands. I think she knew what she was getting into. But, um, yeah, it's it's stressful, man. I'm still a starving musician. Nothing's broke yet. So yeah. it's just uh, asking her to be patient and, and, and it, you know, convince her I'm investing in the future with this whole idea. But it's been a long time, so I don't know. Well, yeah. Speaking of that angsty stuff, this let me let me tell you the report I got. I got this report from Bunda. Bunda is our tour manager for Emory, and he also now is uh, working for Bad Christian. He's helping Bunda! us. Yeah, he's helping us develop the podcast and the business side of some of our stuff because he's a good businessman. And you know us, we like to hire within. So we've got Bunda, who's a friend of yours anyway, and he lives in Nashville. And I was talking to him today. And he said, yeah, man, you really should, when you talk to Jeremy, I mean, he should have a lot of stuff to talk about because things are really interesting there in the studio. He says, like, the music is really dark and crazy. He's got some crazy stuff going on lyrically, and he's in a really weird headspace right now. He said, it's borderline concerning, actually, what's going on with you. So he said, it should make for a good interview. So really, what's going on? I mean, are you are you losing your mind? I'm not letting you guys in here yet. It's too, it, he's right, it is a little messed up. And the first song's so dark, and I'm going to have some guest vocals from a really rad, like, screamer from a hardcore band in the Midwest. Like, it's it's going to be it's gonna be something totally different from a band in Kansas. It's not necessarily heavy. It's just really dark and really down. And uh, But is it really your head? Sp- I mean, is it that's just the art you're choosing, or you, or you actually feel pretty screwed up right now? I feel pretty screwed up and it and it, it's exaggerated. You know, that's what people got to understand that's what movies are. Like when it's when it's the cheesy Christian part, it's got to be over the top like the the corrupt preacher or when it's like the uh struggling musician, it's got to be over the top like sensationally. Like in this story, he's depressed and dealing with anxiety and dealing with regret, but it's like 
it's every friend I've known, whatever drama they've had in their life, it's like everything. So it's it's not just me. So, but what's behind? Like, what is actually going on that you're maybe even exaggerating for these songs? Like, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm just dealing with a lot of pressure from this this campaign, from my wife, from this new life in Nashville. Not sure if I should even keep a band in Kansas going because honestly, our fans have been really slow to respond about this. So then trying to turn around and make art, I'm having to make it totally for me. And that's it hadn't been that way since the very beginning. So that's why I said it's going to be more like the first record in that way. So for me, it's like the way I, the way I made that first record was from a breakup. I was trying to hang it up on the wall, like let it go. Like just yeah. lay it down on this record and move on. And I think I've got some stuff that's built up from... From leaving the label, from being on the road the last four or five years straight that, that I haven't got to say yet, and I'm getting to put it all in a row, how I want to get it off my chest, and just leave it there. So I think the next record would be different, too, because this is stuff I just need to, to get off my chest, if that makes sense. It sounds like, too, maybe like a little bit of fear that you've never had, too, kind of wrapped up in this? Well, yeah, I, I turn 30 next year. I'm not sure that this Damn. is what I'm supposed to do as much <laughs> as I was when I was like 23, you know, and it, and, uh, just more on the line for me, but I feel really exposed on this album. Uh, even though it is exaggerated, I connect with it a lot and I'm trying some really new stuff creatively uh, from every instrument I'm playing on the record. So I, I feel exposed in that way too. Did this happen while you were on tour with Emery? This little emotional turn? Cause that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, basically Emery raped me emotionally on the tour, <laughs> and then they invited me out for another leg of it. Hey, we don't use the word rape. We 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 prefer molested. Mole- <laughs> we molested yeah, you emotionally. emotionally. Molested me, and it took one little thirty second demo I played him and blew up a whole Indiegogo campaign out of it. And now I have to make a record. It's all their fault for putting me in this <laughs> this situation. No, I'm really stoked about the tour. You bring that up. I mean, I feel like that's why I'm even here. That that was a way for us to connect, like straight up on a creative level, uh, in a really raw way. That doesn't that isn't normal. I don't think for people that are going to do business together to get up and and try something musical on stage together first. Mm-hmm. And no, that that did help a lot. But what did you think about being on tour with us? I want to hear that. What would you liked about it? I want to hear what was disappointing about it as well. <laughs> well. I don't want to say you guys are old, but you definitely take the the, the opportunities differently than I would. Um, that's why I was hanging with Josh the whole time, rolling out for coffee or catching an Uber downtown or something. I want to see the sights. You guys just want to see your bus. <laughs> so we're a lot more boring than you thought? No, it's, it's fun. You, each band has its own little subculture, its own little uh, bubble, its own little... Uh, Psychology, but you have a unique opportunity here because you got you were a fan of Emory before, and then you That's got true. a chance to go on tour with the band and be experience our band's culture. So you have a unique window that almost nobody else has ever had. And now I'm trying to give you the opportunity to just let it all hang out and tell everybody. Everybody wants to know behind the scenes with Emory. Well, you have it, so tell them about it. I thought that it was interesting how you are like the dude, or like always thinking on something and planning stuff out. But then Toby's like the hilarious commentary, actually getting his opinion passive aggressively in there the whole time. And Josh and Dave just (laughs) sit there and are your A to B guys. They just get you from town to town and they're there and they're positive and they're and they're just like this. I don't know. Every band has like their cast, like the mechanic and the guy (laughs) that that does the 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 
the the soundtrack when it's downtime. Like Toby's always playing R and B and hip hop to get us hyped up for the set. I love that shit. That was awesome. You know what's funny is there are times when Matt will actually say in passing, like it's just a business statement. Yeah, we'll just we'll be doing this, but I mean, just wait. Very last minute, Toby will say something. We'll get pissed because he waited this long to say it, and he'll be right. And he just goes along with his conversation. He's being totally serious. I'm like, oh, oh okay. We'll, we'll wait till Toby says that. <laughs> we'll wait for that moment. <laughs> well, I would say too. Uh, I, one thing in our defense, I don't know if it, if our age. Actually, we've probably been that way <laughs> since we were like in our twenties. Really? Like we love. You're right. You nailed it. We love our front lounge of our bus. Like that is our. That's our mecca. Place. That's our place, man. We 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 lounge. We use that place. But for I don't sure. think but of yeah. it as like we're uh, boring or like just sit there and want to sit in our bunk. I think it's extremely social. Like I think the the front lounge of our bus is like a really cool booth at a really happening bar is the way i think of it yeah but i could see jeremy's point of view is like man we're on tour we're seeing all these crazy places man yeah let's just hop in an uber and go see something and we're like hey let's sit here like we did all day and talk like we did all day. <laughs> at least i had somebody to come back and tell the stories i, I mean I, I i don't know there's a lot of things like uh this tour was a different hat for me and my band you know i was the one that was booking the shows and and doing every get making sure everything was taken care of in your band i just played the bass and sang and then just hung out the rest of the time. So uh, a lot of times I was just kind of winging it in, on vacation, honestly. Yeah, I bet that was a lot different, just going from the lead dude, the head guy, the guy that everybody's asking the questions to, to you don't have anything to really concern yourself with on tour. So once you learn the songs and everything, it's, that's basically it. You're just riding. But Josh is always, it doesn't matter how old or boring we are, Josh is always the guy to go to like with new folks. Like, he is the guy that's, like, going to show you around, hang out, go get coffee. You can always trust him. But, yeah, we we just – I think for us, we actually think the fun thing is talking. Like, just sitting and talking. And I'm, I assume that other people don't think that's as fun. <laughs> I think it's fun, but I have a I, – I discovered on this tour that I have a limit. Does that make you partly introvert? I guess so, much more the older I get. Yeah, I'd much rather be in my room alone. Yeah, because sometimes you go back and just like watch a movie in your bunk, which is something I would never do. Yeah, I was red boxing. One cool thing, too, was the first leg you did with us, we didn't have classic crime. And then the second leg we did, and those dudes are awesome. So I thought that was actually a lot more fun, yeah, honestly, having more, more people on the bus. Yeah, that was cool, man. We'd toured with those guys before back in like, honestly, since two, like 2010. So it had been a while, but we rekindled the flame quickly. No, that's yeah, cool. McDonald's, Matt McDonald's the guy that told us about you. Right. Because I had heard of Abandoned Kansas before, but just loosely here and there. And I think y'all played probably some festivals or something that we played. and So I yeah. heard the name, but uh, I don't think our paths had ever crossed like just a – well, maybe we had met before, but if so, it was briefly. We weren't uh -huh. real proactive at going to meet everybody. We, were, yeah. we did our thing. Okay, so the other report, Jeremy, that I heard since I've seen you last was that – with the stuff that's gone into this crowdfunding campaign and the press release and the video that we made that uh, your former label was actually irritated or hurt because you told some of the stuff about them and how it felt being on that label and not being on the label anymore. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> tell wow, us about really? that. Tell us what you said and how that – tell us about that. I, I don't think I'll get into much detail because I do respect them and they emailed me privately and I, don't, I haven't really – Met with them like they requested. They want to meet up, and they want me to hear their side of the story. I think 
the interesting thing is that somebody's feelings are hurt because I disagreed with their business decision. And when we were in business together with the label, I disagreed openly with things that were done, but we kept going because we were in business together. So we had to keep going with it. Uh, I think they took that as that we were on board with it or something. But we were pretty openly disgruntled with the direction things were going. Then we finally asked if we could leave. And we were nothing but grateful when we left. We said, thanks, you know, we're going to do this on our own. And we even posted how grateful we were. And then two years later, I was honest about some of the negative stuff. I think they wanted me to talk about the positives too. But the whole point of the video was was to talk about our independence and why we mm -hmm. wanted that back. So yeah. I, I don't understand. I, I think it was some of the language. I think you picked some of the juicy parts yep. for the Indiegogo video. And I think they that the, in Nashville, this is... I mean, let's. I, I don't want to run my mouth too much because I just moved here, but Nashville's been telling itself it's doing a good job for a long time, and it's really starting to all sound the same. So for somebody to come to town and just be honest that the last person I worked with, dude, I don't care if he's a good guy. I really don't like the stuff he did with the, with the business. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to do here was not to talk necessarily further bad about anybody, but give you the chance to, to, to clear that out, clear that up, and say that it's not – you don't necessarily yeah. blame other people for anything like what that. What I hate the most about it, guys, is the fact that they had influence on our records when we were in business with them. And now I'm I'm sitting in the studio trying to make this new thing, and I'm getting contacted by them with whatever feelings they need worked out. You know, right in the middle of trying to do this, I just didn't. I just hate that they're trying to influence this as well. Yeah, it's been a battle for me being by myself just to just to not listen to that kind of stuff right now. So you're definitely like, I mean, just listening to you, man, you feel like you're really alone right now. Yeah, are you right? down? Like, yeah, you but could, I'm I mean, super passionate. I've got like the, I've got no, like yeah, enough. No, yeah, of course, of course. But I mean, it feels like, I mean, like you don't, like, I mean, honestly, it does feel like you feel alone in your head and yes. like a shitload of weight on your shoulders is what it, yeah. I mean, that's what it feels like. And so there's probably going to be honestly once you get this record done some form of relief too right huge relief because i'm definitely wearing some of this character in the record and bringing it home and just kind of hanging in that place where it hurts i said i told my wife this is going to be a horrible six weeks and she was like what about christmas and i was like i it's just how the timing worked out for this record so, I so like, does that mean that you really have to get into the like for instance i think toby and i think of when we write songs sometimes as work or business and it would be actually pretty easy for us to set down what we're doing and be happy or our emotional state to not be tied to it more than the minutes we're spending on the art itself but you feel like you really need to even experience like the whole time emotionally to be in it like you're describing with the music i understand what you're saying i've been there like i think that'll eventually be my job as more like a business to write songs more mathematically and strategically and, and intelligently but this one, for sure, I'm just like totally uh, pulled my pants down each day when I go there and said, this is what I got. Let's let's sing about it. And uh, just been trying to be really raw about being a preacher's kid and just growing up in the Midwest, having this guilt like hardwired in you as soon as you're born just to feel bad about yourself and uh, just to be feel, feel, feel totally weird and feel like you need to be quiet if you feel different about something or you need to move away. And I just think that's a lot of BS. So trying to address that head on by just hanging in that moment and not answering it with this record, but then probably with the next record trying to deal with how you react to that because honestly that's where I'm at in my life. So you like you said that you grew up preacher's kid. Uh what tell 
tell us more about that or where you're at now. Growing up a preacher's kid wasn't a bad experience. So we moved a lot. My dad was an independent, independent Baptist pastor, and we moved a lot. I, I was born in Texas, grew up in Ohio, and then we moved to Kansas when I was in middle school. So I call that home because that's high school and college. And my dad drives for UPS now. He's probably listening to this right now. He listens to the Bad Christian Podcast, but uh, he's also a hospice chaplain, and they're still involved in a lot of ministry stuff. But my parents um, were both really talented piano players um, and and sing in church, and so I started out doing that, playing in church. I remember my first youth group just had like a tape player, so we would have like a worship compilation tape, and I'd print out the lyrics or this other girl from the youth group, there were like eight of us, we'd print out the lyrics and lead the singing like karaoke style with the tapes. And uh, in high school, I got cut from the basketball team and said I was going to go out for the musical as a joke, like to punk the coach, and then I made it and found out I didn't mind being in front of people and could sing. So that kind of, my uncle gave me an electric guitar for my 19th birthday. And from there, I just started kind of fiddling around with it My parents had set me down at a piano at a really young age, but as far as being a pastor's kid, that wasn't the hard part. The hard part was the way people looked at pastor's kids and what they expected out of pastor's kids. And I would say things and do things that people wouldn't expect pastor's kids to say or do. So it wasn't my parents that were were making me feel bad. It was other people. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I grew up. My dad was a pastor's kid, and then so I was, my grandfather was a pastor, and I just, uh, I, although, you know, I don't think I had the same experience as that as like always, people always looking to me because the churches we grew up in too are super small and really charismatic. So I think at that point they were just kind of all set. But that idea of whatever you want to call it, legalism or some kind of rules that you're supposed to follow and, and because you're set apart, well, you're his son, then you got to live up to this. Honestly, you got to live up to what they think in certain levels. And that, that can really call. I, I can remember, man. Even just with me, like uh, I can remember feeling so awful, like just like I thought I was the worst. I mean, I never thought. I, I mean, literally, I've said this before. I, eventually, I just like, well, I mean, every day I feel like I'm I'm should go to hell. So eventually, I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I just I just want to go. I'd rather yeah. just go to hell than live like this. And it uh, it really spooked me. And I can remember literally, I was probably like, I don't know, you know, from I, I think this started happening when I was probably like seven years old. I remember I would do something stupid like. I don't know, uh, throw a, a ball inside the house and my parents said not to or something, you know? And then I, I would just, there's overwhelming uh, OCD of just, I would just pray over and over, God, please forgive me, please forgive me, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, please forgive me, God, I don't want to go down, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. And it was like really, it was really intense. Like it was like crazy. Like I couldn't, I couldn't be forgiven because I thought I was so bad and it was just all instilled in me you're not good enough, you know, to what other people think. Well, t- how does that know? get instilled? Tell me that, what's the me- mechanics of that being instilled? How does that work? Well, I just heard all the time, I mean, my, my papa was hellfire and brimstone, and so every sermon usually was like, you know, you have to watch out or you're going to hell. Absolutely. You have to stop what you're doing going to hell. And so when you hear that so much, you think, oh, everything, you you kind of start critiquing everything you're doing because you're like, damn it, i got to look at it my whole life or else I'm going to hell. God hates me. God hates all the things I'm doing, and uh, the only only redemption I have is just ask forgiveness, beg for forgiveness, and try to stop doing what I'm doing. And and it was you know so, although there was great things about the church I grew up in, at the same time it was still like uh, not much of a relationship with Christ. That was just there was just a God, 
capital G O D. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, Oh wait, this God loves me, cares about me, wants to have a relationship with me. This is the whole point of our existence to be brought back into relationship with our God, our father. And so, uh, the church I grew up in when I was a kid, they actually had a, a guest speaker and for 15 straight minutes, he named a bunch of sins and said, and if you're doing, if you're smoking when your parents are sleeping, you're going to go to hell and burn forever. And if you're listening to anything that's not Christian, you're going to die, go to hell, burn forever. It was seriously 15 minutes of that. Wow. Oh, just I mean, that list. was the sermon. It was just unbelievable. So yeah, Toby and I grew up very similarly as far as our childhood church experience. So I, I grew up scared too, man. My thought on that is it seems like not is it really just the preaching or is it the culture around it, like the way people treat especially the pastor's kid or the religious families? Is there something more to it than, than the actual teaching? Or do you think it really is starts I think with the, the teaching? confusing part for me was learning that you're saved by grace but then being totally judged and included or excluded by your actions. You know what I'm saying? It was it's it like in a in a Baptist legalistic scenario yeah. You're constantly being evaluated, but then you're being told grace is free. And just not, you're like, if they have a problem with what they see, imagine if they knew what was going on in my head. So just as a kid, I think you get more and more <laughs> sort of, uh, you, you share less and less news because news travels quick at church. And that's where you learn that. And uh, I think you, you just start protecting your sins and, and start living with certain sins and, and, making certain victories really uh, newsworthy and, and protecting other parts. You, you compartmentalize in that scenario. I have at so least. how did you stop thinking that way? Like, at what age? I haven't. Oh, you haven't. <laughs> well, at gotcha. least I'm aware of it now, but I don't know that I have. I think I, I still won't let myself off the hook for a lot of things. You know, it's like... Yeah. It's like a, it, people have moved on, and, and I, I haven't. It's like I'll still have to stay there with, with it. I don't know if that's part of being an artist or part of being a... Pe- preacher's kid or part of just being like a tortured human being i don't know what it is so uh a thing i saw that you wrote you noted anxiety depression and addiction all being stuff that you struggle with is that uh is that accurate yeah those have all been issues the last last two three years uh what's the addiction piece there the road just makes it easy to drink too much to smoke too much weed to just get addicted to attention and then I come home and I'm supposed to listen to and be affirmed by and pay attention to one woman and just being addicted to my business and and vanity and pride and the depression comes from all the failures in that and also we had a, a close a couple close members of just kind of the band family around us past the last couple years big lineup changes just identity shifts and and just uh self-medication really so when you say addiction there you you you're putting all those kinds of things in that category but it doesn't sound like yeah. you're saying so much uh chemical dependency per se it's not my my personality has never been to abuse the same thing it's just been to abuse the moment it's just been to push the limit push the limit and and extract every single sensory experience i can from a moment and not worry about how it affects the moment before the promises I made or the moment after. And uh, so when I say addiction, I think that's been my addiction more of has been for the experience. Yeah, I understand that. And from, and I see what you mean when uh, from being on the road with you, your drive and desire to find those people to hang I out seek, with. I seek those people out that and and I and I and I, I 
I enjoy the wild card moments of life, things you could not have planned on, and that's why I frustrate the hell out of my wife because she she really wants to have a plan and be able to ex- be able to count on and expect what I'm going to do, and I just not like that. Did she know that getting into it? I think she did. I think I think opposites attracted in this scenario for sure, yeah. and it really does work. I need somebody to keep me in line, but she needs somebody to help her have a good time and see see have a little vision with her life. You know what I'm saying? It probably wouldn't have mattered either way because you're like really really awesome looking, like just oh, unbelievable. Thank so you. she couldn't have resisted either. Mostly way. the mustache just drew Heck her yeah. in. That's it. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize what it's like to be on the road and away from your loved ones and especially your wife or kids and stuff like that. I I, I mean I don't I would say I've never thought of myself as an a addictive person like when it's funny that you mentioned that because i think there is something like i don't if like i i enjoy beer and alcohol and you Bring know whiskey from smoke. a bottle uh, yeah it's just whiskey straight up from a <laughs> but but uh but if that all went away i would be okay I, i've never gotten like i, I mean I used to smoke like uh, when I was in college, man. I was like two packs a day of cigarettes, and uh, I just Too once I started. Now. Yeah, it was, it, and, and when I started singing for a living, I was like, yeah, no way. It's blowing my voice out a little bit. To me, I'm done, and I was just able to just stop. I just it just didn't nothing ever got me, but that idea of uh, me, I, I don't know, like the way you worded it too. That idea of like being in front of people or um, the show, and and I don't know, maybe the show like the umbrella of stage and all stage of just that idea of it's just me and like when you're on the road you kind of are a bachelor and you know you talk to your wife but the same thing happens to you most days and the same things happen to her most days and it gets a little you know it's hard to really have a fiery awesome passionate conversation on the phone because you're like yeah I, I rode in the bus for eight hours and then I went onto a stage and played and, and you know and my wife is yeah I hung out with the kids today and Ike smashed his head again, and you know it's just not the, the passion's hard. And so, like even for you and your wife, I, I, I understand that too. Like the idea of coming back—that's not don't don't feel unique in that. That that is a really tough thing to come back from the road. And I, and I I mean I know you've done that probably with girlfriends and stuff, but it really does change when it's your wife because you're like, oh, I'm a real dude here. I mean, I I care about this woman. I signed off on being with her only for the rest of my life, and. That weight is real, and when you come back, you're like, oh, it's not just me anymore, and I can go eat wherever I want or watch whatever movie I want or do whatever I want. I have to actually be really have passion for another person and care about them, and, and that's hard. It really is hard to walk that line. Yeah, band life yeah. is pretty much the worst training possible for marriage because you essentially just look at the aspect of having a tour manager or a manager. People, all they do are, all they really are is babysitters that clean up after you. And all you do is go places where people think you're awesome and then you get to leave and go to the next town or you go to a hotel room <laughs> and you don't have to clean it up. I mean, like if somebody else cleans up all your messes and empowers you to do so the whole time. That's what the whole machine is really about. And, and marriage is the total opposite. It's like, these dishes have to get done by me or my wife. So I either, uh, either I have to do them, which sucks, or she does them, and I have to. I should be, notice it when normally in life I never pay attention or notice who is cleaning up after me or doing stuff for me. I just moving on. So it's really bad training. It makes you be a adolescent all the way into. Let's say I'm 35 now, and I have a lot of those same problems. I even have some guilt of like. I'm living the dreams that I had, you know, like I get to do that. I've got to and do she's that. Not. For so many. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. And I mean, my wife's, I mean, my wife loves being a stay at home mom and, but I mean, she has dreams too. And then there's, there's a little bit of honestly, a little guilt 
of, yeah, I'm out here and I'm earning money and this is a way to do it. But at the same time, it's like, she can handle it. And just like you said, your wife can handle it. She knew what she was getting into. But at the same time, I'm like, well, dang, man. And should I stop doing this for her? Like sometimes I've, I've definitely asked myself that question because no matter how much fun it is to write music or perform music or be an artist and all that stuff, like when I look at my wife, I go, damn, that's way more to me. That is more to me. Am I just using it? You know, am I, am I just using how awesome she is to get to do what I want to do? And that, that there is some guilt there and angst for sure. Yeah. Um, I've thought like about she's that too nice day. or loving to tell you to drop it or something. Like when you're 80, you'll be sitting yeah. there with her. You'll be sitting there with her, yeah. and she'll be, and and you, and it, it won't be some big regret, but you'll both know. Like I spent most of my time with these guys, <laughs> right? And it, yeah. <laughs> and it, Toby it, has to tell Jessica, I spent the majority of my time with Matt. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I, I have thought about that before. That's what I'm saying. Like it's funny now, for sure. When Emery, uh, we, you know, when I was at home, I was at home. But even then, she was working. So you know, when I was at home. It, half the day I was at home by myself and then she worked all day. She didn't want to go out and hang out and, you know, and I was still on, you get home and you're still on band world. It's hard to, it's like you get, you come out of a black hole or something. You're like, Oh wait, yeah, I'm a, I'm a husband and I'm a dad. And and you're not important. Like you're important in your home, but it's so hard every night. We're such a vital part of the show continuing and finishing and people getting to go home. Like it's not until you walk on stage and sing the songs and it, I know that as a singer, like you miss being such a vital part of the oh, operation. Yeah. Well, when you go home. The best advice just, I could give to anybody listening to this out there is clearly, if you're gonna want to be in a band, just go ahead and go gay. That way, you can just fall in love with your bass player, and it'll be no, it'll solve all your problems. <laughs> go gay. <laughs> Did you fall in love with Toby on tour? I said bass player. <laughs> I am the bass player. <laughs> well, no, I, I, honestly, on this record, I talk a lot about. Walking that line of uh, how, how you really find out who you are when you're by yourself, when you don't have the accountability. And tour has been my lifestyle before I was married and while I'm married and trying to snap out of some old habits. And when really I have zero accountability, I mean, it's been it's honestly been really hard. And so I, I've really tried to sing about that on this record, but it's been uncomfortable to <laughs> admit some of these things. So what do you mean by accountability to, to you? What does that mean? Well, just just if I'm abusing, if I'm if I'm drinking too much every night, like who's really gonna stop me? Like like if it's there, it's free. Like who's gonna stop me? Just not having the financial accountability for that, not having you know my wife to remind me or to get on to me in some kind of way, or not having as much responsibility. Just the accountability of life, normal life in general. It is a huge world shift to come back to that for sure. Bono's wife makes him get a hotel for a week when he comes home from tour. Really? <laughs> Simmer down. Decompression time or what? Yeah. Spend some time by himself. <laughs> that actually makes sense to me, honestly. At least a day or two. Toby, yeah. take a day or two on the beach every time you come home from the road. <laughs> Babe, I'm, I'm home, but you know what? I really just need a break right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just need a little me time. And it will be I know right. I've been gone for three weeks and you've been dealing with the kids, but babe, I'm just going to go to the beach. It'll be best for, for everybody. Days. Trust me. <laughs> Decompress. Spend most of the money I just made on tour. <laughs> it's, it's, I have everybody's best interest in mind. You have to trust me. So, Jeremy, how far along are you on this record again? I've got 10 songs. We've Hell tracked yeah. drums. I, I hired an amazing drummer named Miles McPherson, 
And I'd never done that. I've never used a session player, and I thought it could be weird, and he might do something really stock. But he really connected with the tunes and, like, kind of did something brave even for him. And I really dug his style. He he totally matched what we had in mind, but kind of exceeded it as far as what I thought was humanly possible. Some of these fills are crazy. I was really excited. The energy that came from the drums. And so we, we're done with guitars and keys. We're next is uh, bass because Nick, other member of a band in Kansas, has been in Kansas. So he's coming here next month to track bass, then nice. vocals. So we're getting going. That's good. Jeremy, what are you and your wife doing now that you in Nashville, like church-wise or any of that? Is that on your radar at all? It's definitely on our radar. We visited a couple places. It's funny. We have this one church called Cross Point that we visited, and if we go on the right Sunday and the Titans are playing, it's it's like we it takes us two hours to get home <laughs> or like two hours to get there or something. So we need to find one. Honestly, it's been hard. She works late. Yeah, I think I'm Cross always out Point of town. is uh, Greg Sratt's brother's church. Is, That's is right. That right. It, I, I think so. He works there. Yep. Yeah. Our uh, our our lead pastor, his uh, brother, works at that church. Very Chris cool. Surratt, I think, is his name. So it's a cool place. A lot of artists. A lot of it was really really great music. But it was huge. My wife was into it, but I thought it was a little, a little crazy. Too big for you? Yeah. It was. It was like a arena concert. The worship set. It was wild. <laughs> I get enough of that during the week. <laughs> hey, so did you get to know the uh, the guys in DC talk a lot? Are they label mates and they own the label? Oh yeah, dude! I just texted one of them. No, not really. They <laughs> <laughs> actually Toby Toby owns Goatee, and he wasn't really in that involved with AK necessarily. That dude's legit. I really like Toby. Yeah, we yeah. met he's, him. Uh, he's pretty cool. He's a great businessman for sure. He's a great entertainer. He's a really positive dude to be around, and uh, he let Brian, our drummer, drive his motorcycle around and Range Rover and stuff. He's pretty cool. <laughs> We've heard all kinds of stories. Yeah, we had Kevin Mack on the podcast a while back, and so uh, he, he told us a little bit about their early days and stuff, but uh, he seems like a pretty cool dude for sure. Yeah, but you have to say weird. that, right, just because you don't want them to get mad at you. Contractually, I have to say something around that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a clause in the contract where it says even when when you're not signed musical anymore, you're contractually obligated to only talk good about the label from then on. No, not the label, Toby. <laughs> yeah, Toby personally. <laughs> yeah, and you have to say let Jesus Freak is your favorite song ever. You should do a cover of Jesus Freak. I on think this a different album. Nirvana song would be my favorite song ever. <laughs> Jeremy, how much longer is the Indiegogo going? Uh, all the way until 2015, the, uh, five days into next year. So January 5th, we have to cut it off. So I hope people, uh, wake up. It's about two weeks left and I think it'll, you'll, we'll get there. I'm not too worried about it, but yes, it would be nice if people would get on over there and let's go ahead and knock this goal out and move on with this album that Jeremy's working on. Now I've heard some of the music of it and I think you guys have heard a little bit of it and Jeremy's going to post some more of it. But I really believe that this new album, and that's why we're involved in it. We just, I think this music is actually going to come from a really crazy place, and it's going to be excellent. It's going to be dark and aggressive and a bunch of other stuff that we like, at least. I'm psyched, man. Please don't, please don't kill yourself. I mean, make sure you can If he makes it through it. the recording without killing yeah. himself, then yes. Well, I won't kill myself till we track the last vocal, you know, <laughs> like the final track, the secret track. <laughs> no, I honestly, there's some crazy moments on this record. When I talk about drinking too much, 
we go straight to a saloon and it sounds wild and then it goes back into the song and then I'll talk about like uh I have this really trippy dream about a girl and it's a total circus like beach boys moment and then we'll kind of come out of there's a lot of scene changes and just really wild instrumentation and uh definitely did everything that I felt like I needed to do for the first time so I can definitely say that about it so what about what's the deal with this living room tour stuff that you're doing Living room tour is is the whole point of this is uh, is kind of is the whole what makes this fundraiser special for a band in Kansas. We're, when we finish this record, we're gonna put it out next summer, but we're gonna have it done a few months before that. So we're gonna do this house tour and go play at all the core fans' houses in like thirty different cities, coast to coast, and give them the record ourselves. So, so they can get, uh, they're so actually going to actually awesome. get to get the record like a month early, and you're gonna hand it to them as opposed to like they can download it a week early. Yeah, I'll give it to them. I'll sign it. That we'll have four guys from the band there. We're gonna play a full acoustic set, of and that's like literally before the record comes out, like a month before the record comes out. Yeah, that's insane. So, you, people also can buy packages where they get to be the be the host. Well, we need people to host, so we've got like ten hosts out of the thirty so far that have said they'll host the tour at their house. And then a lot of the smaller packages come with a pair of tickets. So a lot of this has to the tour has to do with the, the crowdfund for sure. Excellent. I think it's a good idea. I'm excited about helping with that. Yeah, I know that, that that's all a really cool idea because not only do your fans get to support you and support the new record, they get it early and they get a show in their living room. I mean you can't that you can't go wrong with that. What a killer package to have for wanting to support like your favorite band and they come to your house and hand you their record. That's so cool. Yeah, I wonder how many people have been to living room shows. You know what I mean? Like people out there, yeah. you, I, I know some people have been, but comparatively speaking, I think it's a new, newer phenomenon. I'd say most, almost everybody hasn't even ever been to one to experience it, but I love doing them. I guess technically I've never been to one either, but Toby, you and Joey have been at least to Dave Bazan. Yeah, I've been to two yeah. of Dave Bazan's, and that's it as far as my living room experiences. But I've I've been a, a participant of y'all's. I mean, a an attender of y'all. So I guess that's two bands. Ever since I started being around you guys, I keep hearing about Dave Bazan, and I keep hearing people say melodies and personalities. Dave Bazan, and the way I talk about things, I don't know anything about Dave Bazan. Well, dude, get ready to live. Just click on iTunes and start buying up Dave Bazan. It seems Lions like I would like Dave Bazan. I think I, you I, would. And yeah, I he's... missed out on music, man. I, I don't know. I When people talk about Pedro the Lion, I just know that that's a band I'm supposed to know I like. Well, I don't that's know. just like a couple of years maybe before your time. How old are you? I'm 29, but man, I, I mean, I was sheltered and didn't even know it. But you got in on Emory early, didn't you? That was the icebreaker. Somebody <laughs> in my journalism class. <laughs> I was like, what the heck is this? First song I heard was like, why did you die? And we all looked at each other like, I have never heard anything like this. Like, No joke. <laughs> that was a real thing. That sounds like what Seth said about Zayo. When he heard Zayo for the first time, my car was just like, oh, you're one of those guys that listens to <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> this stuff. I didn't even know it was stuff. I'd never even heard that. Well, that's, that's that the noise. breakthrough moment when you, anybody really gets juiced up on a style of music or puts on the truth. I hear that all the time. And for me, that was Pedro the Lion when I heard some of the songs on the recordings. And I just was like, well, what is this? What does this mean? Does this mean you're telling me you can do whatever you want? Like yeah. it doesn't have to sound like others. Like I just it never occurred to me that you That's could do it. whatever That's you it. want. That's crazy. Because I heard music a different way, and then when I heard that, I'm not trying to toot y'all's horn, but you were just my first 
right. taste to that. Like it, it just, I was like, wait, you mean you can say what what you want to say? Like you can play it how you want to play it and don't have to come back. It's awesome. Yeah, and man. I didn't understand then that also it also has to be good. You have to do what you want and then make it where people would want to hear it. That's enough, you know, that's step two. But step one is you you really can do whatever you want to. And when you first experience that, then you get set on this path of like, man, I would like to express myself. That sounds awesome, you know. Yeah. I remember for me it was Marigold, Appleseed Cast, that song, and then the whole uh, Static Prevails, uh, Jimmy Eat World album. I was just like, there's music like this? I mean, this mm-hmm. is just un- Marigold, though. That song is just like so Another epic. Kansas band, Appleseed Cast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Well, Jeremy, thank you for join us, joining us on the podcast. Thank you for sharing how shitty your life is right now and how terrible it is. <laughs> well, thank you guys. For it's going to make for here. a great record, man. I'm glad you're getting all this off your chest. I mean, honestly, it sounds like you're carrying a lot of weight and it's going into the music. So, as sucky as that sounds, it's going to make for a killer album. It really is. He, is. is he carrying more weight than me? No, he's not, Joey. No one can carry more. <laughs> The it's hardest part impossible. by far is this <laughs> stupid campaign at the same time because literally yeah. making an awesome record has nothing to do with this campaign. People have to just gamble that we're going to make something special. So I really, I mean, I'm not going to overhype it because I, I think when people hear this, they're going to think first, they're going to be like, wait, what? And then, and then I think that something really special is going to happen, but we'll see. Yeah, I believe it, man. I think it's going to be a great record. I mean, even just the... The song, the demo song that you have on uh, our EP that just came out, the lineup, that is free. Go download it. You can hear an abandoned Kansas song on there, one of the demos. It's awesome. It's great. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's the first thing we heard from the record of this new one. And so when when I heard that, I was like, all right, I am super. Because I was excited about your music and what I thought you could do before and just the place that you were in personally. And now that I've heard some of the music, I'm very excited about that direction. So I think it's going to turn out tremendous. So if anybody can find it in your heart for a Christmas present, please go relieve Jeremy's weight off his chest. Just $1 at a time, people. Just $10 at a time. Just go, you know, buy a package and it will make Jeremy a more emotionally stable individual. Not a guilt trip, but it really is only up to you to save his life. <laughs> it's your Christian duty, guys. <laughs> uh, well, no, come on, guys. Y'all are taking a little too far. His, it's, it's gonna. It's up to you to help save his marriage. You had to save help my save life, his save my marriage, save this album, <laughs> save the world, save the church. This is fun. This save album. <laughs> All right. Well, I've enjoyed it very much. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank thanks, you, guys. Man. Okay. Jeremy Spring. And that's how it's supposed to go. That's honestly my opinion is then uh, you have a great interview like that because you know the person, and that's why you'd like to talk to him on the podcast. That's why you like to have him on tour with you. That's why you like to work with his band putting out his record. These things are all supposed to work together. I think that's I think that's the ticket. That's why all this BC stuff seems to work. And, and it's united, you know, like – the whole thing's really united because our whole bedrock of our organization and everything is just truth. And when I say truth, I mean the real truth, the hard truth. That's right. I'm talking about the damn news. Hit it, Toby. In a world where your husband has a kick-ass Little Caesars tattoo... 
I'm Jessica Morrell. What the hell? This is the damn news. Toby. Jessica, get out of here. How'd you Toby. even get in here? This is Toby Morrell, and I'm reporting the damn news. Oh, my gosh. Has it come to this? Has it come to this for entertainment? We're bringing women on the news? Toby, the news is mine and your thing. You're bringing your wife under, into this. I don't understand. <laughs> Okay, I thought this was kind of interesting. Oh, and you're I'm just going to steamroll uh, through? stories here, uh, and I, I got this off You're of just going to steamroll through this? Weird.com. Oh, no. Um, Newsoftheweird.com. And I thought this was pretty interesting. So this is just a few stories about government in action. I thought it was kind of interesting. You guys might not. but I'm super depressed. Uh, so it's little short things about just how government's dumb. And I think that kind of bouncing off. I always say said, government's go- dumb. I like it. Our government hasn't handled racism at well at all. So, <laughs> ever. So, uh Assistant Attorney General Karen Strawn of Maryland issued an official warning recently for consumers to watch out for what might be called the $100 bill on the windshield scam. And that is, if you notice a $100 bill tucked under your wiper, do not re- try to Ooh, retrieve it. I heard about this. It is, likely, it is likely there to trick you into opening your door to a carjacker. Yep. You heard about that? Yeah, Sarah, our, our admin is freaked out about that. She actually warned yeah. us all. Yeah, yes, she did. <laughs> well, let me finish the rest of the story. When questioned by WJLA-TV of Washington, D.C., Strawn admitted there were no actual reports of such attempts and that the story is a well-known urban legend, but nonetheless defended the warning. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when people get busted on but believe in urban legends. Tell me what this one was. I wish you'd have told me and let me expose it with my own brain. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. So uh, here's another one. North Hempstead. What's the scam? What? How how would it have worked? Well, basically, you get out of the car to get the hundred dollar bill, and you get carjacked. Right. Oh, see? I see. Yeah. Yeah. So they just yeah. You once you get out of your car, oh, there's a hundred dollar. Like you didn't notice it when you got in the car, and there it was, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Or you bent over to get it, you know. So it's it's just a it's just a scam. It, it was an urban legend. That's not true. All right, moving on. Uh, North Hempstead, New York, enforces its dog littering ordinance with a steep two hundred and fifty dollar fines and street signs. And street sign warnings displaying the amount. So the street signs display the $250 fine uh, for dog littering. Um, however, insiders have long known that the signs are wrong and that the written regulation calls for fines of only $25. And officials have been dis- discussing how to correct their error while still discouraging littering. According to, the new, to a November WCBS-TV report, now that residents know the actual amount, the debate is to whether to replace the signs, which is really expensive, or just raise the fine 1,000% to $250 to save the money. <laughs> <laughs> so now they can't decide, do we make new signs, which is super expensive, or just charge people $250? Well, I don't think so there's, there's a need to, to, to fix it whatsoever because that's the, about the same as the rest of the penal system where there's these maximum fines for stuff. But, you know, anytime they get they get sentenced to 10, they're out in two and a half with good behavior or whatever. So we know the fines or the, the penalty are more for to scare you out of doing the crimes and then once you actually commit them you actually can get off a good bit earlier a good, you know what I mean or a little bit easier so I think in this case let everybody think it's really high and then hey only $25 but you know make, make it say $2,500 and maybe nobody would ever do it you wouldn't have to worry about it hmm. yeah. good point man man as revealed in a spirited public meeting of the Huron Valley in Michigan Board of Education in November gun carriers freedoms in the state appear complicated in that a person with training and who submits to state licensing to carry a concealed weapon may carry it even on school grounds. 
Despite the Federal Gun-Free Zones Act of 1990, Michigan's lawful exception to the act requires concealed permit holders to carry the gun unconcealed, which many parents contend frightens younger children. Also, though, it is illegal for anyone alcohol-impaired to carry a gun anywhere. The legal threshold for presumed impairment in Michigan is only 0.02%. For oh, a license two? Permit. Yeah. That's the for one. License- that's less than one drink. I know. But probably 0.08% for unlicensed open carriers who are not covered by the concealed law. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you can drink more if you're not carrying a gun. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's really crazy. Yeah, I know. I mean, so it's like all this crazy stuff. So, well, I mean, that blood alcohol. I, I believe if you had one drink, you would be point oh two. I think. Yeah, I so, think if you had but, two I mean, that, strong right. beers, you're over point oh eight easily. But you would get busted if you had a concealed license permit. That's you know funny. what I mean. Like if you get so that's kind of interesting. But all right, y'all want another one? Or are y'all good? Another one. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for more. I thought this was interesting for me. Uh, this comes from the AP. DNA from this man's beard led to his burglary or burglary arrest, <laughs> say the cops. You said Poli- DNA from his beard? Yeah, police say sus- a suspect was caught by a whisker when DNA from his beard, beard hair led to the arrest. Sheriff's deputies in upstate New York say an intruder armed with a knife had confronted a woman in her home in Vienna last December, but the woman grabbed his beard before he fled. A hair sample was sent for DNA testing, and Oneida County deputies say it was linked to 54-year-old Leon Tennant in October. Last week, Tennant was released from jail in another county on an unrelated offense, then transported to Vienna for arraignment uh, for a first-degree burglary charge. Dang. Isn't that crazy? They found out from his beard, so I'm like, dang, I can't commit a crime. Because you're too hairy. So it, anybody anybody who's a criminal would be waiting, because criminals always look tough and have beards and tattoos, but both of those things really work against you to have, you know, like the... T- to traditional biker look because you're more identifiable. People always right. get identified by their tattoos or markings on their face, and that's the main thing they put in the cop report. And then the DNA. So if you really wanted to be a criminal, the best thing you could do would be be like a hairless, well dressed person. Well, I mean, you could shave your everything. You could get tattooed eyebrows like older women. Yes, do, yes, and exactly. Then shave your head and wear a wig. Oh. Yeah, because you can't get DNA off a wig, or better yet, it'd be somebody else's weave or wig, and then you get somebody else's Ooh, DNA. Ooh, a weave. So if you're you a criminal, you, real, yeah. yes, you tattoo, you have the, all the extra DNA of other people. So, yeah, you have false hair, tattooed eyebrows, and no real tattoos. That would be really good. Or even false tattoos when you went to commit the crime that you didn't actually have. Then you'd be. I wonder if yeah. people have done that. Could you, like, like could I like accidentally pretend to rip out some of Joey's hair and then implicate him on a, another crime. It would help. Like, couldn't it, I do, like I could kill somebody I know that Joey and I both know. And then I could like, I could drop some hair here and there, some of Joey's DNA. Right. And then concoct a story about how he had been confiding in me about killing them. Yeah. Sure. But you probably get happened, busted right? ultimately in enough interrogation. You probably fail. I got one last news segment and, uh, this comes from the old Huffington Post. Don't jerk and drive campaign pulled. <laughs> Jerking the steering wheel? Unfortunately for the South Dakota Hi- Office of Highway Safety, some people think their new safe driving campaign around the slogan, don't jerk and drive, was a bad idea. <laughs> the ad campaign intended to keep people from overcorrecting and jerking their steering wheels in icy conditions. 
<laughs> instructs some as offensive because it's allusion to masturbation. I really thought that's what you're talking about. <laughs> I, it's really funny that, that it shows a picture. It's like a car, and under it says, "Jerking isn't a joke. Don't jerk and drive." <laughs> I decided. I decided to pull the ad. Trevor Jones, the secretary of the Department of Public Safety, said in a statement obtained by the Argus Leader, "This is an important safety message, and I don't want this innuendo to distract." From our goal to well, save who, lives who on think, the road. Who thinks it's a good idea to jerk the steering wheel when you drive anyway? Who are you trying to I, tell? I guess that just happens in uh, the snowy conditions of, of Dakotas. Oh, man. so I being mean, just, just being jerky, uh, just slightly. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's really crazy. But that you know, the sexual innuendos hijack so many like regular normal terms. You know, you ever have that where somebody says something that's become like a popular sexual innuendo, but they, the person didn't mean it that way, and it makes everybody really uncomfortable kind of thing. Well, they said the Highway Safety Office insists the double entendre was intentionally inserted to get people's attention. Oh, that makes so they more thought sense. It, it would get your intention, but I mean, obviously everybody just thought about masturbation. I mean, they didn't even really get it. So there, there was almost no doubt in my mind that's what you're talking about, because you always find sexual stories. No offense. Oh, yeah, yeah, just because it's on News with Toby, you thought it would have to do with something sexual. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, I mean, you guys stereotype me. It's we need X3 Watch for your news stories. You're probably right. How many times do you get blocked for certain? Do you search, like, majority masturbating? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>